and welcome to Misinformation, the podcast for ladies who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying it, <laughs> annoying teams at pub quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. And this is our first episode. Our target demographic is um, former readers of The Toast. Uh, devotees of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, of course, murderinos. Um, fans of RuPaul's Drag Race. And just lovers of cultural heritage institutions, which both you and I work for here locally. And um, I like my job. How about you? Oh, I do too. I have a <laughs> wonderful job at the Museum of Play. Oh. I'm the archivist. Do you get to play all day? Occasionally. <laughs> And I work at a science museum where I do absolutely no science. So so we're a good combination. Yeah, we're a good combo. Um, so for our first episode, Julia, I hear that you have some some presidential trivia to like lay on me. <laughs> yeah. okay. Do I ever. Please, lay uh, on me. So uh, the, Lauren and I play on a weekly pub quiz team together along that with very two other about. gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And uh, we each kind of have our own topics of expertise yes and one of mine happens to be u.s president yes so i figured what a better way to kick off this Mm -hmm. really great fun podcast than by talking about the executive branch of the united states i'm gonna stop you right there because i feel like you and i are doing the npr ladies right now (laughs) (laughs) which is fine like i don't mind that but um, but I feel like we're really like tapping into our dulcet tones. <laughs> uh, when I worked at, I worked at two different jobs where I had to get over the loudspeaker. Oh, okay. Um, at the stores, and announced that we were either um, about to start the birthday celebration for Levion, oh. or we were going to need a price check on the bullets in the sporting <laughs> goods section of the store. So I got really comfortable with being able to pick up that microphone and just kind of give it a real nice, yeah, soft, over the, smooth, over the speaker, like some smooth jazz So we're recordings. talking about Chuck E. Cheese was I, the first one yes, I'm thinking. Uh-huh. Okay. Four years yep. in hell at Chuck E. Cheese, yep. Julia. Uh, what was the second one? When at, you were at the sporting goods store. Okay. Yeah. Yes, yep. that so, makes sense. Um, two very different uh, <laughs> jobs that have really shaped me and, and who I am <laughs> today. Too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, my microphone voice different than yeah. my regular regular ass speaking voice. <laughs> Perfectly understandable. Also different from my telephone voice, which is like so much higher up. Why? Yeah, I mine is the same way. I don't understand it. Yeah, I get really like, hi, hi, how are you? Yeah, I hate it. And I can hear it in my own voice. And I'm like, Lauren, shut up. Talk like a normal ass person. Anyway, I know it's the worst being a woman. It's not. I love it. But anyway, um, please tell me about some presidents. All right, Lauren. Julia. Tell me, how many U.S. presidents have there been? There have been 45, yeah. including the current yeah, one. Including yeah. the current oh, yeah. one. Yep. Um, I know we all count that Grover Cleveland uh, twice, yes. technically. But, yep. you know, we've been through 45 presidential eras uh, yes. in our lifetime. Okay. Uh, what if I told you that almost 18% of these men died while in office? <laughs> Almost 18%? Does yeah, that like, mean like 17. Like 17.778%. <laughs> okay. That's a really That's a surprise- high mortality rate <laughs> for one job. I'm I'm going to make the assumption that the majority of that 18% happened prior to the 20th century. Oh, yeah, that's a great guess. Yeah, okay. So, 
most trivia folks can really just, you know, they can rattle off a list of the presidents mm-hmm. who've been assassinated. Oh, yeah, of course. But what about those other guys that didn't make it out of the White House in one piece? <laughs> I don't know, this please. Week, I'm talking dead presidents. Yeah. All right, Lauren. Okay. So the first president to die while in office mm-hmm. was William Henry Harrison. Do you know anything about him? Um, he had a beard. Yes. Oh, that's a great guess. No. Oh, wait. Is it true, though? I, I, oh, okay. Off the, offhand, I can't picture I him. often um, confuse William Henry Harrison and uh, Garfield. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about both those guys oh, great. today. Ooh. I had an intern on Friday telling me about apparently PBS's American Experience did a like a multi-part documentary about it was called the murder of a president about garfield and she was like telling me us all the details and stuff now i really want to watch oh, it like you are like all set for what i'm six guys from now <laughs> <laughs> well i'll wait with bated breath okay Excellent. william henry so, harrison william henry harrison okay. uh he was born in 1773 right mm-hmm. before the american revolution was in full swing um he was the last u.s president born as a british subject oh that's, that's a interesting good little piece of trivia there um, he served in the military. He was a territorial governor of Indiana right when um, the United States kind of acquired that territory. Um, he fought in the War of 1812, and he's best known for his victory at the Battle of Tippecanoe. Uh, Harrison joined Congress as a senator from Ohio, and he eventually became the Whig candidate in both the 1836 and 1840 elections, uh, both against Martin Van Buren. So uh, Harrison had more support during his second run in 1840. um, And do you know what his ticket slogan was at that point in time? Um, Billy, Hen, Harry, the man you could marry. (laughs) If only. If only... (laughs) I could just kind of picture that like on a sash. Yeah. Um, Satin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so his <laughs> his campaign slogan was Tippy Canoe and Tyler too. Oh, yes. So that's, okay. a, that's a good way I to I should have remembered that. Yeah. That's my it's, fault. It's all right. Okay. Yours was much more creative. Um, so Harrison won in a landslide mm-hmm. in the 1840 election. He was sworn in on March 4th, 1841. He famously delivered the longest inauguration speech in presidential history. <gasps> Wait. Okay, I think I know who you're t- what you're talking about. Tell okay. Me. I don't so want to ruin it. He talked outside in the cold mm-hmm. rain for two hours. Um, his speech was like, I don't know, like 8,700 words or something like that. Oh, like man. people right. had tried to edit it down and like this was like the bare bones speech <laughs> and it was still two hours long. <laughs> they were like, Bill, honestly, <laughs> let's cut it down to an hour and he just... Refused. He, yeah, okay, yeah. Just he no just more. and he didn't wear a coat that day because he wanted to look uh, regal. I, oh, really? Okay. So this is a, this so is an important sticking fact. Okay. In, in this whole story, okay. um, and that day he was also the first sitting president to have his photograph taken. So oh, that's not cool. a little, not a little piece. He was photographed that day. That day, yep, oh. at 1841. That's pretty early for the photograph. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, he was he sat for a daguerreotype. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so. 22 days into his presidency, he came down with a very bad cold. Uh-oh. Just just like a real... And you know how men get when, yep. they're, when just, they get sick. Yeah, yeah. Well, this was a very bad cold. And a lot of people bl- tried to blame it on the fact that his inauguration speech was two hours in the cold with no rain coat. and he didn't yeah. have a coat on. That's before they understood germ theory. Yeah, but, exactly. 
So with this cold, uh, his doctors tried a variety of 19th century cures, uh, including giving him opium uh, and bloodletting him with leeches. (laughs) So um, they let out enough blood that Harrison just became, you know, real delirious. Um, He also contracted pneumonia at the same time. Um, And on April 7th, 1841, he died just 31 days into his presidency, um, which was also the shortest presidency in our our history. Um, His official cause of death was pneumonia and sepsis, which is blood poisoning. (laughs) It's a terrible way to go. Yeah. Just literally coughing yourself into oblivion and then everything hurts. As the leeches just (laughs) suck it all out. But at least you have that opium. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, kind of yeah, evened it all out. God, I'm so glad I don't live in that time period. And I'm uh, a healthy person. Anyway, please continue. <laughs> well, uh, the death of Harrison while in office created a constitutional crisis because mm. they didn't have a clause on presidential succession yet. Um, so his vice president, John Tyler, took over. So that's mm-hmm. the part of the tippy canoe and Tyler, too. Okay. Uh, but he was really unpopular and he eventually got kicked out of his own party. So that's, nice. and that's this is still the way another party? day. Yep. Okay. Um, so another good fact to know is that 18. 1841 is one of only two calendar years in United States history where three different men each held the title of president of the United States. So three different men in one calendar year were president. Yes. So you separately. Had, yep. You had Martin Van Buren sure. who was finishing out his term. Marty VB. You had. Uh, <laughs> he's okay. <laughs> yeah, he's okay. Uh, then you had William Henry Harrison mm-hmm. who was president for 31 days, and then John Tyler who took over. So that's then- three men. In the same calendar year. It's very rare. It only happened one other time in history. <laughs> it, it happened again? It happened again, and we'll get there. Okay. So. <laughs> this is, that's, I'm learning that's so That's the much. end of uh, William Henry Harrison yep. and all the facts you need to know about William him. William Henry. Poor guy. Then we got Old Rough and Ready. Ooh. You know who that is? <laughs> is, that, is that a history-themed porn? <laughs> <laughs> You could check that out from the Library of yes. Congress. <laughs> it's in it's in the public domain. Like you can download the it's PDF just on of paper. the. <laughs> it's just it's just on paper. It's an erotica. It's yeah. It's on vellum. Didn't okay. hold up well under uh, with the passage of time. Yeah. Um, no, old rough and ready was the name of Zachary Taylor. Mm-hmm who was our 12th president in the United States. Um, he was a career military man. He was a hero of World the War of 1812 and also the Mexican-American War. Um, he didn't really have any political aspirations, but he eventually aligned himself with the Whig Party, and he was selected as the Whig nominee for the election of 1848. Uh, Taylor was the last Whig to be elected to the office of the presidency. Oh. And he was the last person elected to the presidency who was neither a Democrat nor a Republican. File that away. So um, he was inaugurated in 1849, and while in office, he dealt with the draft of the Compromise of 1850, which decided whether newly acquired states to the Union would be assigned as free states or states that would allow the enslavement of persons. Um, It was uh, very controversial between the different political parties, and everybody was trying to negotiate for their own stuff, and really the 1850s were just a big old mess. 
just a big mess. So um, on July 4th, 1850, Taylor was attending a celebration to lay the cornerstone for the Washington Monument mm. um, in Washington, D.C. And at the event, he was seen to consume ice water, cold milk, green apples, and raw cherries. So somebody was like writing down what the president was eating that day, uh, which is important because within the next few days, he became severely ill with digestive tract issues. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. Could you run through that particular menu yes. one more time yes. for me? So ice uh, water. Laid the cornerstone and yep. uh, ice water. Okay. Cold milk. Okay. Green apples. Now, raw cherries. We, and raw cherries, which are really, as far as I'm concerned, the Just only cherries. way to eat a cherry. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like they are, you need to cook them first. Who knows? That seems like a snack. That doesn't sound sure. like, it's not like he was like raw shrimp. Right. The yeah. whole head of a pig, you know, it, <laughs> that seems like a reasonable, sure. Yep. Just fruit and milk and some water. Yep. And, uh, people were more delicate back then. Well, uh, on July 9th, 1850, which was four days after, you know, the celebration, mm-hmm. uh, he died. Uh, the cause of death was officially acute gastroenteritis and cholera. <gasps> Um, at the time, D.C. had opened sewers, which oh, likely contributed no. to his rapid decline. Um, and all throughout, you know, going to history class and everything, I heard that he died because of spoiled cherries. So that's, okay. you know, kind of what I've associated him with in my mind. Okay. But, you know, I don't have the coroner's report right in front of me. You know, the 19th century was such a disgusting century. Yeah, people don't realize it. No, you know, it was it stank to high heaven. People were getting sick left and right. Women were dying in childbirth. It's amazing we survived as a species. Absolutely. It had to be just the hardiest stock. Yeah. And even then they lost fingers yeah, and toes. Yeah, when people were like, and, I want to go back to medieval times no, and be princess. you're an idiot. What? I want to go back to colonial times and no. churn butter and throw my tea into the you harbor. You would be burned as a no, witch. No, everything smelled Awful. just bad people all the time. You the they didn't. They couldn't fix anything. No. Were, if you, if you, apparently, if you ate some bad cherries, you, you would were dead. That's you <laughs> were dead. Also, your teeth. Don't even get me started on teeth. Rot right out of your head by the time you're 16. Yep. You're gonna end up with some hippopotamus dentures. That's what you're gonna end up with. Or wooden teeth. Is that yeah, a thing? Yeah. Well, um, people think that George Washington had wooden teeth, but actually his teeth were, his dentures were made up of a combination of horse teeth and hippopotamus. Oh my God, I don't know what's worse. Horse teeth. And you know, horse teeth are really big. Have sure. you ever seen a horse tooth? Yeah. It's like the size of your palm. I might be exaggerating. Slightly, Maybe they but. really only needed like four teeth <laughs> and they just the dentures them back down. in the day. They didn't bother giving you all 32. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's just too much work. <laughs> shove those in anyway please continue oh yeah so yeah so taylor you know kicked mm-hmm. the bucket and his vice president millard fillmore mm. uh took over the rest of his term um and millard fillmore didn't really do much uh i would beg to differ when i got in a car accident i went to his hospital so there you have it <laughs> touche <laughs> son of buffalo we love him anyway Moving right along on this timeline, um, the first U.S. president to be assassinated was Abraham Lincoln in Uh, April 1865. We know it well. So he was riding high off the Union victory in the Civil War um, just five days before on uh, April 10th. Robert E. Lee had surrendered to General Ulysses S. Grant. um, So, you know, the war was pretty much over. Uh, Great. 
So Lincoln and his wife received tickets to see a play at Ford's Theater for the night of April 14th, 1865. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you you know the name of the play? I do. Um, No, I mean, I did. It's, was it... Our American friend or something like that. So our close. American yeah. cousin. Our American cousin. Our American yep. cousin. That's yes. It. Okay. So um, it was a pretty well-known play of the mm-hmm. day. It, it could have been considered its times Hamilton. You know, like a lot of people knew the words to the play. Were there reps in it? Ooh, that has been lost to the <laughs> that has been lost to, to the time. annals of t- history. Oh, um, so the Lincolns got invited, you know, they got tickets to see the play. They invited the Grants to attend the play, but apparently Mrs. Grant and Mrs. Lincoln didn't really get along. They were, you know, fighting over some petticoats or something. And uh, the Grants declined. Um, but in their place, Major Henry Rathbone and his fiance, Clara Harris, um, they came along and they sat with the Lincolns in their box at Ford's Theater. So meanwhile, John Wilkes Booth, who we all know now. Um, He was a stage actor of the day. He was part of the Booth acting family. So he was actually pretty famous um, in his own right. A lot of people knew who he was and knew, you know, could identify him on site. Um, So, however, he was also a Confederate sympathizer. Um, And he thought that the best way to show his support for the Confederacy was to kidnap Abraham Lincoln. Oh, he was going to kidnap him. He was going to kidnap him. However, then he heard that the Lincolns were going to the theater that night to see the play, and he changed his mind. Forget kidnapping. We're just going to kill him. Straight to murder. So, I mean, as you do. Um, so he had he had a number of co-conspirators along with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so they decided they weren't only going to kill Lincoln. They were also going to kill Vice President Andrew Johnson. Andrew Johnson. Sorry. Andrew Johnson. And they were also going to kill the Secretary of State, William H. Seward. Oh, yeah. Seward's Folly. He bought um, Alaska. Yeah. I remember that yeah. from sixth well, grade. Well, it's good now. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's good now. It back then, Folly. Yeah. Made of ice. So the night of April 14th, 1865, uh, Booth and his gang were supposed to pull off simultaneous acts of violence. Uh, one fella broke into Seward's house and ultimately stabbed Seward five times. Yes. The Seward house in uh, Auburn, right? Yes. Yeah, where right. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. thinking. They have the bloody sheet like tacked to the wall where they're like, this is all of Seward's blood. They like display it. And they have um, a print of a of a painting that was made of him like fighting off. Yeah, exactly. The so the so the guy that broke into their house, he kind of like pushed a daughter aside mm-hmm. and kind of stabbed a servant and then made his way up to Seward's room. Seward was recovering from a carriage accident, so he was bedridden at the time. So um people think that if he, you know, was more mobile that he wouldn't have even gotten stabbed at all. He just, yeah, you just you know, kick what a, ass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um but he survived his attack. Um, the guy who was supposed to go kill Andrew Johnson completely chickened out. Didn't even, we just went to the bar instead. Like, was like, yeah, I'm just going to have some whiskey instead. I mean, I would probably do the same thing. Great. Well, this is why you didn't get, you know, conscripted into a gang to, for an assassination plot, I can Lauren. say that I have never been conscripted into a gang for an assassination plot or anything else. That's our new tagline. <laughs> uh, so... You know, the guy who was supposed to kill Andrew Johnson, chicken mm-hmm. out. Um, so Booth himself was set to go after Lincoln. Um, and since he knew the play, Our American Cousin, so well, mm-hmm. um, he wanted to time his gunshot to a very particularly funny line oh, in wow. the play so the that boy, people's man. laughter would kind of disguise the gunshot. Oh, that's actually really smart. Sound, yep. Um, and since he was a well-known actor, his presence at the theater was completely, yeah. you know, 
ordinary. So um, somehow he made his way into the theater box. People aren't really sure if like, you know, he told somebody, oh, I want to see President Lincoln or if like he just kind of snuck up there. Um, But he made his way to the theater box where Lincoln's and their guests were seated and he shot Lincoln once in the back of the head. Um, Henry Rathbone, who was right there, immediately tried to um, seize Booth. but Booth slashed him with a dagger. So Rathbone kind of got really wounded in the attack too, but, you know, he survived. Um, Booth got away from Rathbone. He leapt from the box onto the stage. So I, I've heard a lot of, you know, seen a lot of reports that say that he said six semper tyrannis. Um, yeah. There's also varying reports that he just said six semper, which is like the Marine, something with the Marines or... Yeah, Semper Fi. Semper Fi. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I don't remember what Six Semper means. Sorry. Well, six, well, no, uh, Six Semper Tyrannus means death to tyrants, doesn't right. it? So Six Semper would mean death to? I don't know. I Your Latin is I did not take Latin. Impeccable. But uh, another thing people claim to have heard was that he said, I have done it. The South is avenged, which seems like a really long sentence to say while you're leaping yeah. off a balcony. Gravity doesn't really allow for that much time. So it's there were 1,700 people there at the theater, and they wow. couldn't really agree what they heard. So um, side note... Our science museum has a dress that was worn in Ford's theater when Lincoln got shot. So that's apocryphal, but it's the family. It has been passed down in the family, and actually, I have no idea why it ended up in Rochester. But regardless, we have it, and we joke that there's probably microscopic blood droplets that we could maybe like we could clone a new Lincoln. I don't know why people haven't thought it's about like, that before now. It's like Jurassic Park, but right. way more boring. <laughs> <laughs> You're just creating a small army of very soft-spoken, tall... And with Morphin Syndrome. <laughs> with Morf- Morphin Syndrome. Aw. <laughs> he was so long. Uh, so, boof. You know, Booth, he yes. escaped the theater that night. He, you know, ran away on horseback. Uh, there was a manhunt for Booth and his co-conspirators. Um, and soldiers eventually caught up to Booth and um, the guy he was on the run with, David Harold, mm-hmm. um, on April 26, 1865, at the Garrett Farm in Virginia. So Harold surrendered, but Booth refused. And he ultimately was shot and killed by Sergeant Boston Corbett and died that day. Um, eight others were implicated in the assassination plot. Four were hanged, and three were given life in prison. So uh, Lincoln obviously died in the wee hours of the the next morning after being shot at the Peterson House across the street from Ford's Theater. And, you know, we all know how that went. Um, There is another kind of really sad ending to the story, though. Um, So Colonel Henry Rathbone, he married Clara Harris. Um, They had three children. However, Henry kind of really became mentally ill, um, so he was committed a couple times and didn't really take, uh, but because his family was really well known, he was still like appointed to like government oh, positions. No. So he became kind of like a German, am- the ambassador to Germany kind of. Um, so he and Clara and their three children were over in Germany living and Rathbone snapped <gasps> and tried to attack the children and his wife got like in the way and oh, no. he like stabbed and shot her oh my god and she died in 1883 the kids in germany the kids survived yep um so he did live out the rest of his life in an insane asylum in germany but yeah just oh like oh my god can you imagine how bad an insane asylum in germany would be in the late 19th century yeah. oh they take yeah. out all, all, just lobotomies everywhere i imagine 
That sounds that, that sounds, sounds right. right. That yeah. sounds right. So I think that that story would be a good thing for my favorite murderer as well. Just because, yeah. you know, he got, he experienced this thing. He was almost a hero. And then he just like and just didn't, took him, took him. Not good. That's terrible. Well, uh, we're coming around now to your, your guy, James my, Garfield. My boy. Your boy, James, your boy, James Jimmy Garfield. G. <laughs> um, he was our 20th president. Mm-hmm. Um, he met his unfortunate ending at the hands of Charles Guiteau, yes. who was an unstable lawyer and an aspiring politician. Mm. Um, Guiteau had been judged insane by his family in 1875, but he escaped being committed to an asylum. Did people only committed women back then? Like I the men so. were just like, nope, I'm fine. Well, men are considered, they were like, oh, he's eccentric trick like he carries a pair of doll panties in his pocket you know like that's that was like haha jimmy you're so funny but women it's like um, you're hysterical yeah i don't want to have another kid and then you get you you're you don't want to wash dishes all day long yeah you must be insane and then your uterus floats around your body and they ugh, terrible another reason not to be a woman in, in any past. other yeah in the past yeah, yeah. So uh, Guito got Mm -hmm. get out of being in an asylum, too. Um, So James Garfield, he won the 1880 presidential election. He Mm -hmm. took office in March of 81. Uh, Garfield appointed James Blaine, the senator from Maine, his secretary of state. And Guito approached Blaine several times about becoming a member of Garfield's cabinet because Guito was an aspiring politician. Um, So Guito went to a bunch of meetings with Blaine, and then Blaine was finally like, dude, no. Like, yeah, this stop. isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be in this You're cabinet. Crazy. Yep. So uh, Guiteau decided the only way for, like, his supporters in the Republican Party, which were divided into several different factions at that mm-hmm. point, but Guiteau was part of the stalwarts. Um, so Guiteau thought the only way for the stalwarts to succeed was for Garfield to die. Like, incidentally, he didn't really have a problem with Garfield. He just was just like, oh, well, oh, the only way that the stalwarts can take over is if, you know, Garfield dies and Chester Arthur can take over. Mm. So uh, Guito borrowed money from a family member to buy an ivory-handled revolver rather than just an ordinary metal one because he thought it would look better in a museum once his deed was done. (gasps) Are you serious? Yeah. What a fucker. Yeah. (laughs) That's such... That's such an arrogant so arrogant. thing. Yeah, like he knew, like he just knew. Yeah, you that, knew, like you I'm going to be in the annals of history. Mm-hmm. What a so dick. he bought that ivory handle. You know what? I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> I'm assuming he's dead by now, yeah, right? Yeah, this was 1881. Oh, okay. He's dead. Yeah, yeah, but he's dead. Um, so on July 2nd, 1881, uh, Garfield was at a DC train station. Um, he was there with James Blaine. Uh, Guito approached him and shot him twice. One bullet stayed lodged in Garfield's body. And while Garfield was being rushed away, Guito was caught and recognized immediately yeah. by James Blaine, who was right there. Who literally just talked to him. Yep. Like, yeah. like dude, I know who, who you are. <laughs> We're a balaclava or something. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they got, they caught Guito. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garfield, they, you know, rushed him away. They had him all set up to recover in a really hot D.C. apartment because yeah. it's, the middle of summer you're in the swamp swamp. um so just so many things went wrong with with poor james garfield's recovery um doctors couldn't find the missing bullet so they probed his body for the bullet i heard about um, this that they like they just like stirred his gullet like a bowl of soup it was just (laughs) 
just all they it was like dirty fingers nothing was sterilized uh one doctor punctured his liver while he was just like poking around in there with his finger oh oh could you imagine it was it wasn't good um so alexander graham bell great guy great inventor at the time um so he came in with an early version of a metal detector he was trying to check for the bullets um but the doctor only let him check garfield's right side um the bullet was actually like on his left side but the doctor was like nope he got shot over here the bullet's only over here you can only check over here that's so dumb but like Garfield was also on a metal bed frame, so people oh, no. are like he might have also been electrocuted a little oh, while no. they were checking oh, in no. with this metal detector. This poor man, this poor guy. It's like a comedy of errors. So yeah, so for the next three months, no, he's still alive. Um, he lost more than seventy pounds. He couldn't oh, eat because all no, because all of his organs were just dislocated, destroyed. He was given nutritive enemas. So that's, you know, that was a real big 19th century thing. It's just like, just treat him with an enema, man. The Victorians, they were, first of all, gross. But they had a thing with like putting stuff up their butt and like, anyway, genitals. And it was just so bad. We could do a whole episode on the Kellogg's. Uh, And (laughs) the Kellogg's. And the Grams. Please, let's do it on ancient cereals and the eccentric men that invented them uh so yeah poor poor garfield um oh with God. better health care he probably would have survived yeah. um instead he died on september 19th 1881 uh officially of an aneurysm but also because he was shot uh and bl- had blood poisoning and, and pneumonia and just oh, it was no. just really it was poor garfield so my intern jen did tell me that he like when they were like sorry jimmy we don't we can't do anything more he was like take me to the sea so they took him to like a coast jersey shore jersey shore Shore. which then i'm sure was very beautiful but now it's like (laughs) really the jersey shore but like his wife like took care of him hand and foot and they opened up like the big doors and he could smell the sea it was like a very romantic thing it was just like three <laughs> months of non-stop and pain. then someone just like took their dirty <laughs> finger and just, just like poke, poked it in his oh, gaping wounds it's all messy <sighs> and infected poor guy uh, so the villain in this story, Guito um, yeah. he was put on trial for Garfield's murder and found guilty he tried to plea um, not insanity, but that there was a medical malpractice which actually killed Garfield, which wasn't which that far not- off. <laughs> but still, the, his whole plan yeah. was to assassinate the president. Um, so he was found guilty, mm. um, which he said ruined his plans to run for president in 1884. <laughs> um, and legend has it that Guito danced his way up to the gallows in what? 1882 before he was hanged. What? A crazy lunatic. Crazy lunatic. He danced? He danced his way like a the little platform. Yep, like, jig. Bam, bam, yeah. Bam. It might it maybe the Macarena. I don't know. <laughs> maybe a little I, hip there thrust. wasn't any like video recordings no. of that. Mm. I mean, if it were today, people would have just snapshotted just yeah. everything. Library of Congress. Library of Congress. <laughs> we should check that. Yeah. Uh Yep, that was oh, poor Garfield. So uh, we barely make it into the 20th century before our 25th president, William McKinley, is assassinated uh, by Leon Zogos. Yes. That's spelled C-Z-O-L-G-O-S-Z. 
it's very hard to pronounce, uh, Zogas. Was that um, Ukrainian? Um, it's a Polish name. Polish yeah, name. Yeah, it's just, that's where you just take a bunch of Scrabble tiles yeah, and, and you throw, throw it on the table and that's how they decide that's your uh, that's your surname. And the Polish thing makes sense because McKinley got shot in Buffalo. It's Ah, that's true. Mm-hmm. So Zogas was, um, was an American mm. um, and he grew up in Michigan and he was really upset because he lost his job in the 1890s. So... Um, during some, you know, recession. Sure. So uh, he made his way into the Northeast and um, became an anarchist. Like you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, McKinley, he just got elected into his second term of his presidency. Um, he planned a 10-day public excursion across New York and Ohio in se- September of 1901. Uh, McKinley loved being with his constituents and oh. reports claimed that he could shake hands with 50 people a minute. Just calloused hands, just, just like, like the fastest shaker in the east. Yep, exactly. east of the Mississippi. Yep. Uh, so on September fifth, nineteen oh one, McKinley entered the Temple of Music at the Pan American Exposition mm. in Buffalo, New York. I know it well. Um, he was there enjoying the music and shaking people's hands. So Zogaz, who was an anarchist, also believed it was his duty to kill President McKinley, um, waited in line, got up to shake McKinley's hand, and then shot him twice in the abdomen. So, And he knew he couldn't resist a handshake. Exactly. He waited in line. That was his, it was his Achilles heel was the the handshake. Poor guy. Uh, So Zogaz was immediately attacked by the crowd and he was apprehended. Mm -hmm. Um, Similar to Garfield, McKinley had one bullet remaining lost inside him. However, the best surgeon in Buffalo was unfortunately in the midst of an operation in Niagara Falls, and he could not attend to the president. Oh, no. um, instead, another doctor arrived. You know, I'm a doctor. Some I, quack. I looked at a body once. Yeah. Um, he arrived at the operating theater of the exposition. Um, couldn't find the bullet, just assumed it was gone at that point. Um, he gave McKinley some painkillers, <gasps> sewed up the holes in him, and oh, just no. kind of like slapped a bandage on top. <laughs> So, uh, for the first few days, McKinley seemed okay. Like his wife wasn't panicking. His other people weren't panicking. Um, he was, you know, responsive, but then the infection crept in, sure. you know, um, also given nutritive enemas. Oh my God. God, you know. stop it with the nutritive uh, enemas. Then, uh, he, you know, by like the fourth day, they let him eat some real food. Um, but then they said he had indigestion so they gave him some purgatives oh so it's God. just like he's oh got it God. coming and going both ways oh this is poor guy uh, so he collapsed on september 13th and died the next day on september 14th 1901 the bullet had actually gone through his stomach colon kidney and oh. pancreas that's like 70 percent of the a lot yep. gut organs yep i mean i'm not a doctor but that's that's the official right. yep the gut organs the gut organs um, so the official cause of his death was gangrene. Yeah. So just like, cause oh. that doctor just didn't. Again, hand washing techniques. No, he just, just like, ah, I guess it's gone. He didn't flush anything, didn't oh, clean anything. God, yeah. Bad. Like yeah. This is why people go to med school for like nine years. Now. Yeah, exactly. Cause killed all these presidents <laughs> you don't like boil some snake oil over your oven and then call yourself a doctor that's not how that works anymore that's how people die uh, so mckinley died gangrene um and then finally following this assassination uh congress passed an act to put the secret service officially in charge of protecting the president yeah how about we protect the leader of the free world yep 
So I can't believe took we till got... 1901. Oh my God. Uh, a lot. Some people think that it was um, mistakenly right after Lincoln's assassination, but actually wasn't until oh, 1901 it was, it was after... the Secret Service. That's interesting. Was actually put in charge. We have to go to the um, the inauguration site in Buffalo. Yes, it is a great museum. I'd love to be there. They have a great immersive experience. They have like a whole. Like it's great. They have and a great gift shop too. A lot of mustache themed things. Oh sure, because of Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then when Teddy Roosevelt took over as president, when he ascended to that to the presidency from the vice president, mm-hmm. um, he was the youngest president at the time to take over. To take. He over. was forty. 53. Oh, I don't know. Okay, wait. I don't well, know. It wasn't a quiz. That oh, was okay. just a Sorry. side fact. We'll look it Youngest up. Youngest president. So, Zogas. Zogas. You know, uh, he was sentenced to death in the electric chair. Good. And following his execution, they poured acid into what? his casket to dissolve his body Why? before it was buried in the prison graveyard. What? Maybe so that people couldn't like dig up his bones and like sell them as souvenirs or what? something. That's Who the only thing I could that? think of. Anarchists. <laughs> you know what? You know what? That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. They poured at like lie. Pour, yeah, like acid. Oh yep. my god! They dissolved well, his then bones in his casket. Why bury him then? <laughs> they could have just cremated him, and then like, well, I mean, I, they didn't ask me. So. <laughs> it's true. They didn't it's ask me what one. Do. All right. Uh, then we get you know. Then we're just kind of back into some normal until, things yeah. now. Um, on, on August second, nineteen twenty-three, President Warren G. Harding had a heart attack in San Francisco, California. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the G? In uh, Warren G. Harding stands for, Lauren? Oh, um, I'm going to go with Gearwave. No, that's not it. Um, is it nothing? Is it kind of like Harry it, S. Truman? No, it is It is a name. Okay. But it's very rare. Okay. This is, this is just good trivia. Okay. Um, his middle name was Gamaliel. G-A-M-A-L-I-E-L. Gamaliel. That sounds like a Lord of the Rings Warren elf. Gamaliel Harding. Yes, I think he was named after the the elf king. The elf. The elf the dwarf, king. The dwarf. I think Lord? that's. Ooh. The, Galadriel is an elf. I do know that. Glamdring is the name of a sword. Ooh. Yeah, I, I'm really like I'm hearkening back in the old brain box. Um. So did they, did you find out like where that's from? Gamaliel? Never found out. No, it okay. might be from the Bible. I don't know. Ooh, I just assume a, if, it's, if it's. deep cut if that's yeah. the Bible. So that's his middle name, everyone. Good to know. Um, so Warren's wife, Florence, um, refused an autopsy. And later she gathered and destroyed his official <gasps> and unofficial correspondence and documents from the she White House. She murdered him. You know what? A lot of people thought that she murdered him. But. Because he was known to have numerous affairs, he fathered a he fathered like a, at least two two illegitimate, and children. he wasn't even that hot. No, not at all. He had some eyebrows. Yes. let me tell you, shave those down. Maybe she just got so sick of looking at them. Like, God damn it, Warren. Yeah, uh, yeah. So there were uh, there were some rumors flying around that maybe you know she somehow poisoned him or killed him, um, but he definitely had congestive heart failure. Like. Like three days earlier, he was at the doctor and they were like, man, your heart's failing. Um, and then no one really had any like real evidence ever against oh, I see. Okay. So. But it is suspicious. Could, could be. I, I mean, mean he I'm was suspicious. in his, he was old. Yeah, that's true. It's not like he was like 30. Right. Okay. So Warren G. Harding, uh, 
teapot dome. Sure. Uh, lots mm. of illegitimate children and and affairs. Uh, maybe his wife murdered him. Good riddance. Great. Great. Then we come to one of the greatest presidents, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. <sighs> Um, he held the longest tenure as president mm-hmm. from 33 to 45. Um, he was our 32nd president. Um, he got the country through, you know, a couple oh things Just like, a couple. The, like the Great Depression and like Whatever. the Second World War and, you know, international diplomacy. Um, he recently begun his fourth term as president when he died of a cerebral hemorrhage on <laughs> April 12, 1945 in Warm Springs, Georgia. Uh, while alive, he was the first president to donate his papers to the federal government and essentially establish the first presidential library. What foresight. Yeah, he's... I The one thing that I do remember from probably middle school was the last words of presidents. Mm-hmm. Like, I only mm-hmm. remember, like, yeah. two. And I do know that FDR's last words were, I have a tremendous headache. <sighs> I bet that hurts like a bitch. And I heard that he didn't actually have polio. Or that, that he did. there's like we'll a get thought. Oh, okay. We'll get I'm sorry. That. I'm jumping the gun. Um, so he established basically the first presidential library. Mm. And in 1955, the Presidential Libraries Act actually spelled out the procedures for privately built and federally funded libraries and museums to house the papers of future presidents. So before that, it was kind of all scattered. You know, they went home with the president. They went to their relatives. The relatives either hid them in attics or barns or basements or sold them to people. Um, Sometimes things got donated to libraries. Um, The Library of Congress was doing a pretty good job at, like, collecting what they could, but... There was still so much out there. So for Roosevelt to have the foresight to kind of yeah. be like, yep, my records as president belong to the government and there should be a place to house them. Great. He also didn't want them to just be housed in Washington, D.C. with everything else because he wanted there to be, you know, some geographically diverse oh. places for people to go. And so oh. that's how um, presidential libraries have kind of ended up being in that person's hometown or somewhere that had um, significance to them. So um, Roosevelt's is in Hyde Park, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and as of 2017, all of the presidents since Herbert Hoover have a presidential center overseen by the National Archives. Nice. So, yeah. That's great. That's good. It's good stuff for me. That's just good archives. Yeah. Makes me happy. Uh, and then finally... We come to our last late great president who was taken too soon. Um, on November 22nd, 1963, uh, President John F. Kennedy was in a convertible with his wife, Jackie, and the Texas governor, John Connolly, and his wife, Nellie Connolly. Uh, JFK's visit to Dallas was widely publicized, and the motorcade route was published in newspapers so that spectators could come and see the popular president and the governor. Um, so, though many conspiracy theories have erupted, Lauren, <laughs> the widely accepted history two. of that day is that Lee Harvey Oswald, a former U.S. Marine and Soviet sympathizer, shot JFK from the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository. Uh, there were plenty of spectators along the route, including Abraham Zapruder, mm-hmm. the creator of the famous Zapruder film. Zapruder film. Um, he incidentally recorded the assassination with his silent color 8-millimeter motion picture camera. Um, The film is only 26.6 seconds long. Mm -hmm. Um, It was used by the Warren Commission, um, which was put together by LBJ to figure out if there really was a conspiracy, if Oswald really did it. Um, And it did, the Warren Commission determined that Oswald acted alone. Uh, Later, the film was purchased by the government from Zapruder's heirs in 1989 for $16 million. (sighs) 
for 26.6 seconds of film. Um, So the day of the shooting, Oswald was arrested at the Texas Theater. Um, He was taken into police custody for two days. And as he was being transferred to the nearby county jail, a nightclub owner, Jack Ruby, approached Oswald and shot him in the abdomen. Everybody's just shooting everybody in the abdomen. like the most painful place. Yeah, you get through all those gut organs that way. (laughs) Have you you ever seen, and I just recently saw it maybe a year ago, the actual impact. You know what? I haven't watched it. Oh, man. You know what? I saw it because I was reading like a long form article about the Zabruder film. And I had... I was like, oh, because you always see, you know, like the click, yeah, click, just click, some click. clips, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. just some clips, and so they were like, here's the full Zupriter film that mm-hmm. was just released, like yep. recently. It was those frames where the impact of the right. bullet go in. Zupriter originally requested that one yeah. of the frames be kind like of destroyed, like censored, and destroyed because yeah. it was you could really. Well, See what happened. There. They said that he he said that he had a dream then, like the night. Before, you know, like he was supposed to make the decision of whether right. or not he was going to sell his film. He had a dream that he was in Times Square in New York and there were billboards all around him that said, see the president's head get blown off or something like that, like advertising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he woke up in a cold sweat and was just like, I cannot, I cannot Let put that out that. Mm-hmm. into the world like that. And right. that's why it took them so long to actually release it. But I saw it and I was completely unprepared I actually shouted. It was Christmas. I was at my parents' house at Christmas, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" You're like eating a cookie, yeah. dipped in, dipping it in cocoa. I'm listening to Michael Bublé. Like Bing it Cosby's was... on the <laughs> on the, the TV. Oh my god! Oh. I couldn't believe it, and it was like, yeah, ugh, it's, it's terrible to see. Even yeah. in that context of like really grainy footage, right. just like old timey, it's still shocking right. to see. And there weren't any like. Uh, TV crews or anything yeah. there at the time because they thought that that part of the route was so ign- insignificant yeah. uh, that they were waiting until like he got to where they were meeting for lunch to yeah. actually like be there to record. So just the fact that they have this film and there were several other people um, on site that day that were able to capture some kind of images, mm. but the, the Zapruder film is the most complete. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's real disturbing. Oh, yeah, don't want... If you people on YouTube want to look at it. Yeah, if, I mean, you, feel free, but get... Yeah. Gird your loins because it's not. It's not for the. It's not pleasant. Yeah. yeah. It's unpleasant. But at least Oswald got shot. Sure. Um, so he died yep. that day, the same day of being shot. And then Jack Ruby, he goes found guilty of murdering Oswald, which he really did. He yeah, absolutely. Uh, but he died in jail in 1967. Oh. So there's just kind of that story just ends. I mean, it makes sense that there would be so many conspiracies because they're the line of the narrative just kind of like the truth of the narrative. Ends. Right. There's yeah, there's not really anyone left. That yeah. Could, could like verifiably. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's real messy. So uh, yeah, that's a, some rough stuff. <laughs> some rough stuff in there. You're really bringing us uh, up. Yeah. Well, First these episode. are all these are all really important parts of it of history absolutely affected some change yeah some constitutional you know amendments yeah um established some some record centers um so uh i mean it's luckily we haven't really had to deal with anything like this in in the last 50 years but um but these were the the eight presidents who died while in office Thank you, Julia. And you know what? The most important part about all that is that it's really solid trivia. 
Yes. To file away. Yep. File all that away. Um, so, uh, are you guys ready for the quiz portion of the show? I know I am. So, um, here we're going to ask 10 questions and then we'll take a short break for you to think about your answers. Um, and then we'll give you the answers and see how you did. So this quiz is called Presidents and Residents. This quiz is on presidents of the United States and demonyms. Uh, so a demonym is a word that residents of a particular place take to describe themselves. So for example, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, so I refer to myself as a Pittsburgher. That is the demonym for someone that lives in Pittsburgh. So question one. Most folks know that Virginia and Ohio have been the birthplaces of the greatest number of presidents. But which state has the greatest number of presidential libraries, which are officially part of the National Archives? Question two. Lauren and I are coming at you from New York State. Rochester, to be exact. Boom. Where people here call themselves Rochesterians. Can you tell us the demonym for a person who lives in each of these three New York cities? The first is Buffalo. The second is New York City. And the third is Albany, our state's capital. Question three. In 1841, there were three men who all served as president in the same calendar year. Van Buren, Harrison, and Tyler. This circumstance happened again in the 19th century, where Rutherford B. Hayes, James Garfield, and Chester Arthur were all president within the same calendar year. Can you name that year? Question four. If someone says they're a Mancunian, where are they from? Question five. What author wrote 112263, a novel where the protagonist goes back in time to the late 1950s in order to prevent Lee Harvey Oswald from assassinating JFK? Question six. What is the demonym for someone who lives in Indianapolis, Indiana? Question seven. Earlier, I talked about some of the bad medical practices that took place during treatment of some presidents. So I'm going to describe the last days of a former president who did make it out of the White House, and you tell me who I'm describing. This man spent several hours on a cold winter day inspecting his land in the snow, hail, and freezing rain. He neglected to change out of his wet clothes when eating dinner that night, and two days later he awoke with trouble breathing and he was barely able to speak or swallow. Three physicians came in, but couldn't agree on his diagnosis. Some of them thought it was Quincy, an infection of the throat. And they decided to treat this man with leeches. They removed nearly one half of his body's blood with leeches. They nearly also gave him an emergency tracheotomy, which really didn't didn't happen that many that much uh, in these days. But instead, this man died around 10 p.m. that night on December 14th. About whom am I speaking? Question eight. Any of the lovable lads from Liverpool could also have referred to themselves as what? 12-letter demonym that sounds like it could be a shallow spot of water containing an essential organ. Question nine. This is a three-part question. I'm going to name three statements about Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and you tell me if each is true or false. The first statement. FDR contracted polio when he was five years old. Second. FDR's wife, Eleanor Roosevelt, was his second cousin. Last, 
FDR's beloved Scottish Terrier was named Fala. And finally, question 10. Which two U.S. presidents were born with a different last name than the one under which they were eventually inaugurated? So while you ponder these questions, why don't you take a break and listen to Stars and Stripes Forever, composed by John Philip Sousa, King of the Marches, played by the U.S. Marine Band in 1998. now for the answers. So which state has the greatest number of presidential libraries? Um, That's Texas. There are three of them there. Um, LBJ's is in Austin. George George H.W. Bush's is in College Station. And George W. Bush's is in Dallas. Um, Question two. The demonym for a person who lives in Buffalo is what, Lauren? A Buffalonian. Yep. Um, Someone from New York City is? A New Yorker. Yes. I would also accept Knickerbocker. Ooh, wow, that's an old And one. how about Albany? I was going to go with Albanian. That is, is that the it? answer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, question three. In um, the second time in the 19th century where three men all served as president during one calendar year, that year is 1881. So this happened twice in history, 1841 and 1881. That's a good way to remember. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good fact. So, question four. If someone is a Mancunian, where are they from? I, Mancuso, which Ooh. is not a place. It's Manchester. A, man- oh. a Mancunian comes from Manchester, Manchester. England. Interesting. Um, so, what author wrote 112263? That would be Stephen, Stephen King. Stephen King. Um, the demonym for someone who lives in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um. Indianapolitan. Ooh, that's a, is that close? That's fun. Okay. Um, the answer is actually just a Hoosier. Oh. Um, anyone who lives in Indiana can legally call themselves a Hoosier. On January 12, <laughs> 2017, the federal government officially changed the Indiana demonym from Indianans to Hoosiers, uh, which makes Indiana the only state not to have a version of their state's name in their population's nickname. So um, this poor former president who basically had half of his blood let out by doctors and leeches. Was it FDR? Oh, it was President George Washington. What? Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize he was that sick at one point. Well, yep. He was doing just fine. Uh, 1799, he's riding his horse, checking out his property, Mount Vernon, um, on horseback. And it's a bad weather. Yeah. Again, people like to blame being wet and cold, but it's again germ theory. Yeah, but that's part of the it's part of his tale. Regardless, go home and change. 
go home and change, man. Like, or like when you're eating dinner, like take off your wet clothes. I bet Martha was just so excited that he was sitting there like yeah, in his sopping wet. wet, muddy clothes at their beautiful dining room table, yeah. like eating some mutton. It was probably but, mutton. Yeah. But, uh, yep. Um, Washington himself was a big fan of leeches and bloodletting, <laughs> and that's what they did to him. So he, half of it, half of the man's blood was bloodlet. So uh, question eight: um, Someone from Liverpool yeah, is why they are a Liverpudlian. Yes, <laughs> they are. <laughs> All right, uh, three true or false statements about Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Um, the first one: FDR contracted polio when he was five years old. That is false. It is false. FDR contracted polio in 1921 when he was 39 years old. That's like really way beyond when you would expect somebody to get polio. Which I thought was the reason why a lot of people thought that he did not in fact have polio. That they thought it was something that like acted like polio but wasn't actually polio. Mm -hmm. But I don't, you know, I don't know. Right. Yeah, we're not doctors. I don't know if we needed to specify that at the beginning of this podcast. We're not doctors. We're not lawyers. Um, second statement, FDR's wife, Eleanor Roosevelt, was his second cousin. That is true. Ooh, it's actually false. She's um, his first cousin? She was, they were fifth cousins once oh. removed. Oh, well then so, that's So yeah, not that everybody thinks that it was, yeah, it's not that big a deal at all. Um, she was a niece of Theodore Roosevelt, mm-hmm. and Theodore Roosevelt and Franklin Eleanor Roosevelt were fifth cousins. Yeah. So, um, they were fifth cousins once removed, and that's legal everywhere. Yeah. Like, that's, that's like, still Barely legal. related. Yeah, please. So, and then finally, FDR's beloved Scottish Terrier was named Fala. That's absolutely true. That's true. So Fala came to the White House in 1940 as a puppy. Um, He could do tricks, and he was eventually such a big part of FDR's public persona that the Franklin Delano Roosevelt Memorial in D.C. has a statue of Fala prominently featured next to the president. Um, Fala, short for Murray, the outlaw of Fala Hill. I had no idea. Yeah, real long name. Um... Which FDR named after a famous Scottish ancestor of his. Oh. So, Fala, short for Murray, the outlaw of Fala Hill. And then finally, last question. Uh, which two presidents had a, were born with a different last name than the one that they were inaugurated under? I know one is Gerald Ford. Yes. Because we were just talking about that the other day. And yeah. the other one was... I don't know. Mm, the first, Gerald Ford. He was born as Leslie Lynch King. And Bill Clinton, born as William Jefferson Blythe. Oh, okay. Yep. So, um, so yeah, that was uh, my quiz on presidents and residents. Thank you, Julia. That was very interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad. Well, we hope that you learned something about assassins, Scotty dogs, leeches, and Hoosiers today. Join us next time for another enlightening episode of Misinformation. Bye. Bye.